passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the eighteen that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. And hello everybody, welcome to Rewind a Raw. My name is Wei Ting. John Pollock is off enjoying a much, much, much deserved vacation. So I hope he hears none of this. I hope he's not checking the website. I hope, I hope he's doing nothing involving uh, what he usually does here for work and that he enjoys his time with his family. But joining me in his place is another John. John, see no evil. Welcome to the show. Hello. No gimmicks today. I'm just my old regular self. Um, I was hoping maybe this would be the, the start of the TV 14 era. Maybe I would have to bleed or something to get into the zone but unfortunately none of that today we'll save it we'll save it for you know maybe uh, another another time whenever it's uh, official of course uh but we are here to talk about rewind raw and very shortly we will but first a little bit of housekeeping because coming up this week it is me and i'll be on very consistently here in the post wrestling and post wrestling cafe feeds uh that includes tomorrow where we will have our thor love and thunder review with me, WH Park, and Mike Murray. We just recorded it today, but those of you who are cafe patrons will receive it sometime tomorrow in your podcast feeds in the afternoon. We have, of course, up next with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman talking about NXT and the 20 Women Battle Royal that's set to take place tomorrow night. Uh, our G1 Climax post shows return on Wednesday in the Post Wrestling Cafe with me and Mike Murray as well. John Cena shot in the dark on the up next feed and Rewind Dynamite with me and Professor Chris Ely. And then Thursday, it is the return of the wellness policy with me, Jordan Goodman, and Neil Flanagan, who's going to become, everybody, a permanent co-host. I'm very pleased to announce for the wellness policy. We are going to be talking about Jordan's bummer summer. And uh, a, bit, a bit more details to come on that. But that is Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern, available for everybody. I'll send the link out there. Saturday, we've got our ROH Death Before Dishonor post show. That'll be me covering it with Kate from Montreal. So that'll be available also on the Post Wrestling Cafe. So if you're a patron, you can get that as well as Rewind Smackdown this weekend. So, uh, Sino, we are here to talk about Raw. But before that, uh, a little bit of news. As people know, we're no longer doing the post-daily news updates for a variety of reasons. But whenever there's some big news, we'll always try to talk about it if it's happening uh, before um, one of these shows. And today, it seems like the big story was the announcement of Ric Flair's opponent for his last match. And we have that match here, everybody. It, it is Ric Flair teaming with his son, or sorry, son-in-law, not David <laughs> Flair, I'm sorry, but Ric Flair and his son-in-law, Andrade El Idolo. They will be taking on Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal with Karen Jarrett in their corner for Ric Flair's last match. Uh, in addition to that, we have the rest of the card, which in- also includes Ray Phoenix and Taurus versus 
Laredo Kid and Bandito. We've got uh, really a combination of everything from uh, various promotions. So that's a triple A match. This one's built under MLW with Killer Cross versus Davey Boy Smith Jr. We've got Carrie and Ricky Morton, two generations of the Mortons, taking on uh, second generation stars and Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson. An Impact World title match sees Josh Alexander defending against Jake Jacob Fatu. New Japan Pro Wrestling is offering Clark Connors versus Ren Narita. An Impact Dream Tag Team rematch takes place between the Wolves, Davey Richards, and Eddie Edwards, taking on the Motor City Machine Guns. Uh, for the Impact Knockouts Championship, it's Rachel Ellering uh, and Jordan Grace, who's a champion, defending against uh, Diana Parazzo as well in a three-way. And then uh, the Von Erichs, Marshall and Ross, taking on the Briscoe Brothers. Uh, so, you know, uh, any thoughts on the main event as well as the whole card itself? Well, it's funny you said in, in, at the top, like um, Ric Flair and his son, because I can see that conversation at the at the dinner table where Dave is all excited. He's like, I'm going to team up in my last match with my son. And then Andrade <laughs> just walks in with his suit. Um, you know, I usually wouldn't say this because it's WWE, but the fact that it's Ric Flair's last match and you do have Karen Jarrett in the other corner, I honestly wouldn't be that shocked if maybe not Charlotte, but maybe if we see Ashley Flair. Um, you know, not advertised, but just kind of show up just to be in the corner there. I, I wouldn't, you know, hold it past them. Um, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure David will be there. You know, I'm yeah. sure like some, some, you know, um, children. Charlotte is, uh, I wonder, but we do have WWE representation in this. That's uh, main what makes event. me think that. Yeah, this is a weird Ring of Honor, WWE, AEW. NWA crossover, like I mean, the whole card is obviously like Global that. Global Force is represented. Global Force Wrestling Bullet Club, that's right. But this yeah. match alone, the fact that like Andrade hasn't wrestled in a while, I just re- figured he was like injured or something. But it looks like he was getting ready for this match. Uh, perhaps, well, yeah, we shall see. I mean, uh, you know, when you look at this particular matchup, I mean, it feels pretty evident that it'll probably be lethal and Andrade doing the bulk of the work, hot tag to Ric Flair, and then he gets his big little moments here. Um, some nostalgia, of course, with with uh, Jeff Jarrett as well, but um, he's going to have a really busy uh, couple of weeks, I suppose. Yeah, hopefully Jeff he Jarrett. doesn't he doesn't get uh you know beat up on, at SummerSlam by the uh, Usos, and he'll be good for the next day. Mm. So that is uh, the latest with Ric Flair's last match. I'm sure you'll be hearing a little bit more about that in the weeks to come here. On to WWE Ross, you know, I mean, uh, when it comes to how many people I can really choose um, (laughs) to cover this event, I feel like the the pool is relatively low of people who keep up with it consistently and people who are willing to take on the burden of these three hour shows. Um, You, of course, do the dynamite reports for us. You watch pretty much everything that's out there on Shot, Shot in the Dark. So uh, I appreciate you stepping in. What have your thoughts been lately on the WWE main roster product? Not good. I'll be honest with you. I rarely, I probably the only time I ever watch live is when I do like a show like this where I have to, but usually I'll watch like the next day on 2x speed without the commercials and I'll be on my phone for half of it. I just, I can't get into it. I'm not excited about SummerSlam. The fact that next week they're going to be at Madison Square Garden and I have absolutely no desire to go to that show. I don't care. 20th anniversary, nothing is Rey Mysterio, but I just, I don't want to like waste time getting on a train and going down there and spending money for something I'm not going to enjoy. Uh, especially three hours. So unfortunately I'm not invested at all in pretty much anything. I mean, SmackDown has a couple highlights here or there, um, but raw doesn't do anything for me. Um, Yeah. I mean, we didn't get the TV 14 as we expected it. And that was like rumored to possibly happen. So that gives a little bit of like, Whoa, let's see what's different. But, um, and it's, as we'll get into it, there was definitely an odd start to this show. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the purpose of that was. Um, but yeah, I'm just, as far as the product goes, I can't say I'm really excited about anything. 
Well, let's talk about that opening segment because to start the show off, and by the way, of course, uh, as it has taken place, I, I suppose, since last week, if not earlier, the woo is added back to the opening signature. And then we come back. And the opening thing on this edition of Raw is WWE's global ambassador, Titus O'Neil. He's already in the ring. He's introduced. He's introduced as somebody. Uh, he's keyed as somebody who is hosting the SPs this week. But that is not the reason why he is appearing on the show. He he says that he thought he reached the height of his personal achievements when he won the Warrior Award this year at the Hall of Fame, or was given the Warrior Award at this year's Hall, or uh, at a previous year's Hall of Fame, I should say. I'm sorry. But he hit an even higher peak when it became our WWE Global Ambassador. He's here to tell us that what we need more now in the world than ever is goodwill. Whether it's helping the less fortunate or supporting our servicemen and women around the world, we also support, they also support good causes that bring people together to do good. And that is why you will never hear the WWE talk about politics or religion or subject matter that is divisive. Because regardless of your race or economic status or nationality, this place is a safe haven. This is a place WWE wants to make sure where we can all have a good time. So that's what we're about to do tonight. And welcome to Monday Night Raw. What the fuck was this? I was so <laughs> confused. I'm like, is he going to be like the general manager? Like, why start the show? Like, like later on as the show went on, okay, it made sense because it was in Tampa. Like, he's doing all this good stuff in Tampa. So it made a little bit more sense. But to start the show like this, and he's just going on about all these like things that WWE does well and does not talk about. I'm just like, what is the purpose of this? This is so, so weird. They spent um, the whole year in Tampa, okay? And I don't know how many Titus O'Neil appearances we've seen throughout the, you know, the entire Thunderdome era. Like, or the, the first thing, of course, that, that's coming to everybody's mind is that are they bearing for more bad news in the press? And I are they somehow, so. <laughs> somehow trying to get ahead of it? And how, I don't know, like, how would this get ahead of anything? Like, what is this decision going to do with whatever bad press that they it's, might get? The topics <laughs> that he brought up, it, it made me really scared of what, is there more to talk about when it comes to Vince? Like, what else has he done that we don't know yet? It's very scary to thought. Um, but yeah, this just screams just like, you know, we're good. Just we're doing all this good stuff. And it's just like, oh, my goodness. This was just very, very cringe. But it's just the idea that like, you know, let's just, you know, um, speculate <laughs> that maybe there's some bad press to come and that. Vince's first reaction is to send Titus O'Neil out to have this like rah rah message about goodwill. Um, and and what is the statement here? You know, we we will not talk about politics or religion or subject matter matter that is divisive because regardless of your race or economic status or nationality, this place is a safe haven. Um. <sighs> And this is happening as, like, Lacey Evans is, like, a heel veteran on SmackDown. Like, I don't know. This is so very odd timing, just everything. Yeah. Like, I'm just trying to think of what the messaging is that, that that like, that is supposed to get ahead of whatever story that's out there. Like, are they are they, are they saying, you will never hear us address this, these Vince McMahon allegations because uh, it's divisive content? Um, and somehow it's a threat to people, you know, to me because of my race or economic status or nationality. Yeah, you know? the fact that they what? kept saying this is like a safe haven. So, like, I feel like whatever 
mumbled up message they had was like, no matter what's going on in the world today, you could just turn on Monday Night Raw and you'll, you're okay here. We're fine here. We're not going to make it oh, worse. I feel so like, safe watching Raw. Yeah, without, uh, you know, uh, rather than, I, you know, I, the, reading the Wall Street Journal where I might, you know, <laughs> figure out the truth of, of some I, of these stories. I yeah, can name geez. so many better things I can do in three hours that'll make, distract me from the woes of the world, I feel like, than watching, um, you know, people chasing over a 24-7 title. Yeah, so last time, listen, like, when met with these sort of, like, public stories, it, it is incredibly interesting to study the reaction of Vince McMahon. Last time, his reaction was to go on TV and for a couple weeks, you know, to, to do these sort of, like, to show his face. He has not shown his face since the second article. Now, the second article has not received as much mainstream press, but nonetheless, it seems to have made him shy away because he would have come out and delivered this message, you know, uh, rather than Titus. He might have not needed to deliver a message at all if that story continued to die down. Word is that there are going to be more things that are going to come out from the Wall Street Journal. And is this Vince McMahon getting ahead uh, with it? And what an odd decision like to, not, to use this to respond to i'm not gonna lie towards the end of the, the intro i i really thought that titus was gonna introduce vince like the way he was wording it he was like with that being said like he ended up saying you know this is monday night raw whatever but i thought he was really gonna introduce vince as like the savior of of the safe haven like it was a very awkward very awkward cold open to the show Super strange. And you know what? Like in these situations, I mean, they can make themselves look good to people who don't know what they're talking about, like because the audience will inevitably cheer, right? Like wrestling audiences, you just as much as like we might kind of say like wrestling audiences these days will revolt. They're actually relatively easy, I think, to manipulate to get the reaction that you want. And this was just a guy with a positive message that is well liked. Um, no racism, no economic uh, sort of uh, discrimination, no nationality uh, discrimination. Yay! <laughs> like, yeah, and these are all things you can go on the WWE Network now and find instances of all these things that they don't say they talk about. Oh, sure, yeah, sure, sure thing. Sure. Yeah, there's no racism on this show whatsoever. Yeah, anyway, so this was super weird, and we will perhaps figure out the reasons later on why this happened. Um, it's just like, there's, it was not subtle at all either. So, you know, it's like, clearly like, this is like the time where like, you know, mom and dad are sitting, sitting you down and having a serious conversation and you, you know, that something is wrong, but like, you don't exactly know what they're talking about because they're dancing around the subject. So this, this just felt like Homelander, just like smiling for the camera. Then as soon as the cameras are off, it's like, all right, let's get, a, let's yeah. get this shit over with. That's what it felt like to me. Very much so. <laughs> So that was the start of Raw, everybody. You know, uh, maybe the no most newsworthy thing to come out of this edition. But uh, don't you turn off the show yet because there's still plenty to talk about uh, ahead in these in this recap of these three hours. Because we start the show off officially, I guess, with Becky Lynch. She's out here talking about the little engine that could and how she is very similar to the little engine that could. She uses all these sort of like train analogies. Uh, all the way basically to state that she's going to become the next Raw champion and we're all going to stop at the appreciation station. She lets us know that the Belair Carmella winner is going to face her at SummerSlam for the title. And Belair comes out, says that this isn't Becky Mania's comeback story. This is the Belair comeback story from SummerSlam of last year. She's looked at every opportunity since her 26-second loss last year as a chance to come back to redeem her reputation. And she's going to rewrite her history. She's going to kick Becky's caboose back to the Ireland. Choo-choo. What do you think of this set of promos here, Sino? I feel like Becky was just backstage reading her her uh, her baby uh, bedtime story. I was like, oh, you know what? The little engine that could. Let me, let me go ahead and use this in a promo. But, you know, 
mother promos, I guess, bring out a different side of you. I, I would not doubt that scenario whatsoever. I thought it was clever, you know, like it, it's, it was cute. Uh, and I thought uh, there was a certain level of, I think, creativity attached to some of those metaphors. And I always feel like Bianca sounds like a very strong promo, especially as a baby face, which I think is especially difficult to do without coming across corny. She never comes across that way to me. She just sounds like somebody who's very determined. And again, for somebody of her experience level to sound as confident as she does, I, I think this feels like a big match. And I but, don't know if it's, if it's just me, like, maybe just not paying attention to the main product, but it was at this moment that I realized, oh, it, it's been a year since Becky came back at SummerSlam. Like, it, it totally didn't click that it's been literally one year that they've been building into this rematch. So that's pretty good timing on their part. And they will continue to really, you know, play out this story a little bit later on. But that is only dependent on whether or not Carmella can uh, doesn't get by and become the new women's champion because Carmella comes out. She says she's a badass with a great ass tells Bianca not to overlook her. And then Becky and sorry, Becky and Carmella then attack Bianca from behind, which gives Carmella an advantage ahead of their matchup that takes place right in the next segment here. This is for the raw women's championship, Bianca Belair versus Carmella, a rematch for money in the bank. But this time the title can change hands on account out because of course, Carmella won via count out last week. So Becky's on commentary. She leaves the ring briefly to distract Becky, or sorry, to distract Bianca. And Carmella constantly tries to win via countout. She's doing things like d- dumping Bianca behind the barricades and retreating to the ring, you know, like what you do with um, like a, playing a video game. Graves is calling this match like it's WrestleMania because her wife might have a chance here of actually winning the championship. Carmella gets a few near falls. Becky, <laughs> the bees, Bianca gets fired up. And then basically just hits the KOD for the victory. Not necessarily all that dramatic of a finish here. So the champion retains and we have Bianca versus Becky officially at SummerSlam. Uh, what do you think of the match, Sino? Uh, I mean, I feel like I've seen this match every week and I probably have. I'm pretty sure they've wrestled every week. But this match was okay. It was actually not too bad um, from what they did. You know, they had, the, you know, the commentary was a little annoying because you had both Corey and Becky, um, you know, getting on uh, Bianca's case here. But um it was okay for what it was, I guess. I mean, obviously there was no doubt on who was going to win here, but um, it definitely, you know, for the time they had, it was okay. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like, you know, by this point, like Carmella and, and Bianca have sort of like worked out a, a pretty strong routine. They've worked out their chemistry pretty pretty decently. I think you're never going to look at Carmella as like, you know, one of the top workers, but I think she's far from even being considered to be the worst like she seems very competent and confident in the ring at this point uh she knows probably her own limitations and i think she's got her routine down pretty decently she is a dependable sort of like mid-card heel that you can use to build up to your bigger matches like with your becky lynch's but um they just kind of got to the formality here becky lynch versus bianca is official and i would say you know heading into this year's story they have a pretty strong heel and baby face both heading into this match, and we will continue to talk about that later on in the show, which, you know, feels like it's, at least on the Raw side of things, feels like it's the main event. Yeah. Street Profits. Street Profits are being interviewed. They're asked about this uh, Jeff Jarrett um, uh, refereeing their match. Um, Dawkins does this whole, like, you know, double J, double, double F, double J, double R, E, double T thing. Ford says whether it's, Jeff Jarrett, Jeff Gordon, or Jeff Bridges, they're still going to walk out of SummerSlam as the champions. At this point, Omos and MVP interrupt him. MVP says Dawkins lost to Omos last week and that he's going to ask Pierce for a rematch. 
tonight. So that is what, what we're getting later on. Kevin okay, Owens. So, so he did say Jeff Gordon. For some reason, I thought he said Jeff Goy, which is like the name that Brandon from New Jersey always talks about as like his connection to surfer Ray Odyssey. So I'm like, did he just say Jeff Goy? Because I've never heard anybody else say that, but but Brandon. So I was a little confused by that. But Gordon, okay, that makes more sense. I heard Jeff Gordon. I mean, I don't even know who Jeff Goy is. Um, the only reason I would even know is because, yeah, Brandon from New Jersey keeps mentioning him. Who is Jeff Goy? I can't even he, Google he, Jeff he, Gordon. He, he's his middleman. I think if you Google it, the only thing that comes up is like Brandon asking about it in the forum or something. Are you talking um, about the uh, new CEO of Wawanisa Mutual Insurance? Could be. Or uh, Jeff Goyd, the Manitoba Jockey Club interim chair. That sounds more like him. I, from what I hear from Brandon, he's like the middleman between him and Surfer Ray Odyssey. He was going on about it again during the uh, 24-hour <laughs> charity stream. That's probably the point of the, the show where I'm like, all right, this is – I got to check out now. But um, tells yeah. me he was, he was speaking of Jeff Gordon and not Jeff Goy. But, okay. 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 We're we making Jeff Goy a thing here. Yeah, we can only dream. Chat room is lighting up here with uh, Jeff Goy um, <laughs> references, so – uh, there you go. Kevin Owens returns. He is here to host the KO show with Riddle. So out comes Riddle. Rollins versus Riddle, of course, is official for SummerSlam. Owens says that he had to step away in recent weeks because he was being, being driven crazy by all the Elias Ezekiel stuff. He says he went on a nature retreat to clear his head. He admires, in fact, how calm and cool Riddle is and says that this, you know, uh, Elias, Elroy and Elrod, they can do whatever they want. He doesn't care anymore. So maybe he's moved on from that storyline. He says that Seth Rollins used to be his best friends and he, uh, okay. So he says Seth Rollins used to be KO's best friend. So he knows, um, what it's like to not have a best friend around the way that Riddle has recently lost Randy Orton as a best friend. So Owens suggests teaming up with Riddle. He says RK bro was good, but bro KO could be great. Owens says that he's turned a new leaf now and he can be trusted. He's no longer a liar. And Owens tells Riddle that if he can trust Randy Orton, the biggest snake there ever was, that he can trust him. Riddle does not appreciate the slight against Randy Orton, and he almost comes to blows with Owens. As Riddle music is playing, here comes Seth Rollins attacking from behind. And uh, there we go. Riddle's atta- Riddle attacks Rollins. Oh, sorry. Rollins attacks Riddle from behind. Uh, and he... Any thoughts on all of this? I was happy to see Kevin Owens back in his little panda shirt, which is kind of cool. Um, he did mention in, like giving Riddle like a Mountain Dew Baja blast. So I thought somewhere Alex Zane was like screaming, you know, trademark infringement. He's a ta- the Taco Bell guy, and the- they have the Baja blast over there. Um, yeah, this is interesting. I-, I don't know if this is like just straight dropping the storyline with Ezekiel or Elias, um, but I definitely would like some sort of resolution because that was kind of like one of the best things that WWE has done this year, I feel like, is the whole Ezekiel uh, Owens thing. So I hope they didn't just drop that out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, this is odd because like he mentioned like not being friends with Rollins and then like Rollins attacked him, but he didn't really like do anything. He just kind of disappeared. So I was trying to figure out if he was like actually like in on it, if he was being more heelish. Um, it was very odd, like the whole like resolution of the ending of the segment. Yeah, yeah. Um I don't know. Like, I, I didn't really get a clear indication about, you know, Kevin Owens's next program coming off of this. I'm not even at this point sure that he would have something for SummerSlam unless they build up to this, you know, Ezekiel thing. And the only thing that would give me hope that they're continuing it is the fact that Seth Rollins is being interviewed backstage after his attack on Matt Riddle. He says that Riddle is so stupid, it's driving him insane. He says Riddle is stupid because he thinks Orton really cared about him. 
and he turned down Kevin Owens' help. He says Rollins, sorry, Riddle is stupid because he thinks that he can beat him at SummerSlam. And out comes Ezekiel, who reprimands Seth for attacking Riddle. Seth says it's none of your business, and Ezekiel says, I am your business, and business is about to pick up. <laughs> so I don't know if he's trying new catchphrases or what, but um, business yeah. is about to pick up, you know? Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe they're going to do a tag team next week, you know, with Ezekiel on one side, Kevin Owens on the other side, um, aiding Seth Rollins, a former friend, perhaps. That's the only thing that might keep this thing alive. Otherwise, who knows? Judgment Day. Damien Priest and Finn Balor are in the ring, and they guarantee tonight Dominic Mysterio will be joining the Judgment Day. They replay the Edge attack from a month ago, and out come Dom and Ray. It is our match. Uh, our match tonight is Damien Priest versus Rey Mysterio. They have a you know pretty classic big man versus little man match here. Rey is about to hit the 619, but Balor tries to interfere. Dominic stops him, but the d- distraction results in a, in a kick and a two count from Priest. Priest then counters the seated senton into the Raiders' Razor's Edge, and Priest pins Rey Mysterio ahead of his 20th anniversary celebration next week. After the match, Judgment Day are getting ready to concerto Rey, threatening Dominic to join or else they will attack him. And um, this is enough for Dominic to be convinced to say, stop, I'll join the Judgment Day if you don't concerto my dad. Priest says it doesn't work that way, and they attack him anyway. So it does not appear that he is in Judgment Day. And uh, this was perhaps their way of setting up Edge's return next week. They're certainly laying it on pretty thick with the references. What did you think of all this, Cena? Yeah, I was really going to say the same thing about laying it on thick because, like, every time you see Judgment Day, it's like, oh, this is what we did to Edge. They have to remind you every single week, like, if we don't already know that these these vignettes that they're showing is for the return of Edge. Um, You know, the match was okay for what it was. And weeks like this, I wish... Pollock was here so he could imitate. I'm not even going to try to do it sacrilegious to try to imitate Dominic, but just him, like, you know, saying, Stop, you know, I'll join Judgment Day. Like, it was just like, Oh, God, this is so bad. Um, but, you know, the match w- was what it was, nothing too crazy, but obviously a little interesting that he actually, like, so eagerly was like, I'll join, I'll join. But, like, you know, really? Like, you couldn't just, like, protect your dad instead of just joining this, this heel stable? Yeah, it was so easy that you, it almost made you think that, okay, they're going to have Dominic join. And then reveal that he actually wanted to join Judgment Day and turn, and that'll be how he turns on his dad. But instead, they didn't have him join at all. They had him, you know, the explanation by the announcers was that Dominic knew that joining would stop the attack and then he would have probably not joined anyway. Um, a little convoluted, but you know, I feel like whatever. Whatever um, segment they have, they're going to be saving it for next week. Obviously, even to Madison Square Garden is the 20th anniversary. If Edge does return, it might be for that, um, just to set up like something for SummerSlam, I guess. Yeah, I'll say that the Dominic heel turn is still definitely on the table. Um, this this all could be a bit of a misdirection. I'm not expecting it next week, though. I think you're going to get the Edge return. Um, they'll be strong, and then maybe at SummerSlam you might get something else. You might get further development what if instead of um dominic we have the return of Aaliyah, and she's the one that joins you know because she she might still be talking to 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 buddy matthews and he might give her give her tips on how to join the dark side see we we already have an Aaliyah now unfortunately so you know our Aaliyah quota has been filled Uh, so come back with a new name then she might yeah um i i don't know just you know hit that button and you know pick or hit the randomizer and i'm sure she'll get something good 
Uh, so the Edge promo airs again. It's the latest one that we've seen before. And then it's our match here between Seth Rollins and Ezekiel, a rematched, if you remember, John, based off of the hot dog incident from the July 4th cookout, a legendary cookout that was, uh, that birthed uh, a main event program as well, didn't it? Between yeah. like, Omos and who else? No, it was, uh, it was a Veer, Veer Mahan and uh, Mustafa Ali. And now Mustafa and Cedric, they're, they're tag team now. They're the best friends because they go around just stealing people's foods, I guess. So now they're best friends because of that. Okay. There, there you go. Uh, Rollins misses the stomp, hits a schoolboy in a backslide attempt. Zeke then counters a Rollins springboard with a wall-time jumping knee for a two-count. Rollins hits his fal- falcon-arrow uh, superplex combo for a two-count. Then Rollins hits repeated rolling elbows to the back of Zeke's head, followed by the curb stop for the win. Uh, stomp. Curb stomp for the stop. Uh, I thought these two continued to actually do pretty decently. You know, Ezekiel has been impressive with these Rollins matches. He's keeping up with the cardio. He's showing some pretty decent coordination and timing. What do you think, Sino? No, I've actually been really impressed with Ezekiel. And I like that since he changed his gimmick over to the brother or whatever, he actually wrestles differently. Like, he doesn't wrestle like... Elias wrestles, so I actually appreciate that he's trying to change it up and he's fitting more of his style. Um, it was a pretty good match. I would give him a little bit more time, but for what they had, it actually was pretty impressive from from both of them. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, again, uh, like with Kevin Owens, I see zero sense of direction for Ezekiel and Elias here. You know, this Elrod tease that we were left hanging with. Um, I mean, Elrod now is frequently mentioned when you're talking about, like, it's not just Elias and his brother, it's Elias and his brothers. So, mm-hmm feel like they're still dangling it and we're still going to get it eventually but no indication of a continuation with kevin owens here there was no owens interruption or anything like that and you know ezekiel just kind of took another loss here uh against seth rollins so yeah elrod might be maybe going to nxt 2.0 he might have to start on developmental first before he wow. makes the main roster maybe That'd he's one of the maybe he's one of joe gacy's uh you know dyad maybe he's maybe that's maybe it's elroy and elrod <laughs> Elroy, 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 and maybe a fourth brother. There Elroy. we go. Might yeah. as well. No, it's a real shame because, like, I would say that's a character that had a lot of momentum prior to Kevin Owens not being here, and um, to, for them to seemingly, if they're not going to con- continue it and just drop it, um, that would be a real shame because I think there's a lot of talent between him and Kevin Owens, and a lot still left to explore with uh, that whole character. So we'll see if it continues. Olmos. He's with the Usos in the back, uh, in Gorilla, actually. And the Usos talk up Omos before he's about to face Dawkins. They're going to watch the match from up close. So uh, we also have Judgment Day in the back. Finn Balor says that Dominic failed the test today. They know that Dom just joined in order to save his dad. And they'll finish Ray just like they finished Edge. Next week at uh, MSG, the Mysterios fall and the Judgment Day will rise. So that tag match is made official later on in the show between the Mysterios and Judgment Day. Omos versus Dawkins here. Ford attempts to distract Omos on the outside um, because I suppose he's he's a giant and therefore cheating against a giant is okay. MVP then trips Omos and the referee catches this and we get a DQ. One of those, you know, quick DQs because we're, we got a commercial break to go to. So out comes Adam Pierce. He makes it a tag match. And the real match that we get is the Prophets versus MVP and Omos. MVP is wearing a suit because he was not expecting to wrestle. Dawkins is selling for the heels. Hod tagged to Ford at the same time that Omos is tagged in. Ford has a lot of jumpy offense, but Omos withstands all of it. 
back on the floor. Dawkins throws MVP into the Usos. And with the referee distracted, this allows the Prophets to double-team Omos momentarily. Ford hits from the heavens, but Omos kicks out at one. They're, you know, despite who's like going for the tag team titles, it is Omos that really is the uh, the guy that is getting all the push here. Because Omos kicks out at one. Ford acts shocked as he attempts for, from the heavens again, but this time the Usos interfere, causing another DQ and initiating a another segment closing brawl here. And Corey Gray says, "We need Jeff Jarrett now." In fact, he says, bring in Jeff, bring in Jerry, Bill Dundee, the roadie too. We need all of them to sort out some of this mess. Uh, your thoughts on the build for the Street Profits versus the Usos this week, Sia? This was pretty bad. It's sad to say, because like, they had a really great match at the last pay-per-view. And like everything since then, I feel like has been, you know, the, them complaining about the finishes of the matches with the shoulders up. And now this is like two back-to-back matches. I don't what even call the first one a match that both lead to disqualifications. Um, it kind of gave me flashbacks to that era of Raw whenever like a match would end and then they come back from commercial and it's like a tag team match all of a sudden. And yeah, the only thing that stood out of this is the fact that like almost just kicked out of Montez a finisher just like that. It kind of was shocking. He seemed a little like dazed at the end too. I wasn't sure if like maybe he just wasn't in the right position to take like the second, um, you know, from the heavens or what it was. It was a little awkward at the end with almost. Um, but yeah, this wasn't good at all. Unfortunately, like didn't make me excited at all about this match. <laughs> It makes you wonder, like, what they had planned for Omos for SummerSlam, because he's really just sort of an accessory here to the Usos, and you know, is that going to be a relationship that'll continue? Um, is it, it? Are we going to like you know get further things between the Prophets and and Omos, uh, or is this just a way to to fill their time? You know, it, it, it needs more Jeff Jarrett. I mean, Jeff is leaving Ric Flair bloody in the streets promoting right. that match, and that he's not doing anything here. He needs to come out and just. Beat somebody up. Leave somebody bloody in the streets. I mean, the I think the ultimate destination here is Jeff Jarrett versus Omos. Mm. That we have to eventually get to. You know, maybe WrestleMania, something like that. You know, this is a Smack them over. Yeah, I could definitely see Jeff Jarrett hitting Omos with a with a with a guitar and almost just not even getting affected mm. by it. Yeah. So Jeff Jarrett has not made any appearances yet, of course, on TV. Um do you expect him next week? I think so, in some capacity. Um, tomorrow, and it's Madison Square Garden as well, so I can see him definitely showing up. He's he's at the shows, right? He's at all the live events, so he's definitely there. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm surprised he hasn't come out at all. Um, and yeah, I mean, I doubt the, they can't do any sort of promotion for the Ric Flair match. I doubt they're even going to like come close to even promoting that. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's definitely got to do something to show his face before uh, SummerSlam. I just find it weird that like they've really yet to explain the justification for why Jeff Jarrett was the one chosen. You know, it's, like, it's why Nashville. Is he, That's why the only is he, thing is, yeah, it's the fact that it's Nashville. I can't think of anything else besides that. He also is the chosen one, so okay, maybe, yeah. maybe there's that. Um, but it's just the oddest thing, and it's also like you know these interviewers are, are in the back asking the street prophets about the reaction to like Jeff Jarrett. What reaction are they supposed to have? I, I why did Jeff, you pick him? I, I want Jeff Jarrett to be like you know the reason I, I chose to be a referee for this match is so I can get some tag team uh, tips because the following day I'll be teaming up with Jay Lethal. To fight Andrade and Ric Flair, like just you know, to say it, why not? We don't, we we, don't, we know the truth about it. Somebody might be getting a guitar shot next week, and you know, we shall see who it is. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio 
If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Beer Mahan, do you remember him? The man who... um. You know, did he have his hot dog stolen? Like, what was what was the that thing? What happened? Something, yeah. His plate of barbecue got stolen by Mustafa. So he appears for no reason than to interrupt Sarah Schreiber to say "boo." Um, don't know what they're necessarily <laughs> building up this for. Like, it, was it just a way to get him on screen because they had nothing else for him this week? I have no idea. Has he done this before? Is this like an ongoing thing? I don't think so. Right? I don't think so either. You know, I was very confused. He comes in, he has this really like, like creepy look into the camera and then he just does boo. And it's just like, okay, don't understand what the reasoning for that was, but okay. Yeah. I don't know if they'd just forgotten something about him or, or maybe they're teasing some sort of romance here between Veer and Sarah Schreiber, because the real interview here is with the Miz who says, I think he likes you. So, you know, we have, don't we have a romance on SmackDown as well? Like between the interviewer and, uh. We we used Somebody to right. Else. Like I remember we, like the Los Lotharios, weren't they? Like Charlie, doing right? For a while, yeah, with Charlie, and then she she left. No, no, um, no. It was a Shanky and the and Samantha. Oh yes, you're right. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I I got I can't keep track of my uh my romances between wrestlers and announcers. But yeah, you're right. So maybe I was gonna lead to like a a, a double date or something. <laughs> double I mean, date. Yeah. I mean, Shanky and Veer used to be together, right? They were part of a stable at one point. So maybe they're just trading uh tips. You're absolutely right. Yes. Okay, so maybe they, they, you know, that's really the reason why they're they're dividing and conquering and somehow uh, making some moves on the broadcast team. And then you have Veer's former tag team partner, uh, Sanga, is down at NXT, you know, showing his cannonball to uh, Valentina and um, the other girl. These Beyond. are the real yeah. womanizers here you know, in, in the company. Interesting. I did not expect that. The Miz says if uh, he says if Logan didn't like being his partner. He will hate being his opponent even more. And that sets us up for a Miz TV later on tonight in our main event. Um, Austin Theory says that this is going to be the biggest SummerSlam of all time because he, he's going to be both the U.S. and Undisputed Champions at the same time coming out of the show. The fans keep giving him the what treatment, of course, and Theory mocks them. What? What? Shut your mouth. And so, of yeah, course, he, it wasn't too good <laughs> from 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 the, the list of like what counter attacks. This wasn't on the top of the list, unfortunately. Well, this is what's interesting. Like, I, I wonder if this was intentional because throughout the rest of the promo, he certainly played into the what chance. So, that, of course, they do it even more. Um, Theory's other role throughout this entire SummerSlam build is to be the guy to build up Lesnar versus Reigns. You know, he's the one, because you're talking about two part-timers here in Lesnar and Reigns. When you don't have either of them, when you don't have Paul Heyman, well, you got to rely on Austin Theory because he's here to play a clip for us of Roman, uh, sorry, of Brock Lesnar destroying Alpha Academy last week simply um, to show how devastating Brock Lesnar can be. <laughs> and he says, uh, he plays the clip and he says, um, this is why it's going to be a perfect opportunity for me to cash in because these two are going to beat the hell out of each other. And at this point, the fans are wanting louder than ever. In theory, kind of plays with it. He does the Austin sort of speech pattern, encouraging it by going through every roster member who does not like him, ending with Dolph Ziggler, who, of course, attacked him last week. Um, they replay the Ziggler attack, and then out comes AJ Styles, who says, whichever title theory leaves with, 
Styles will be the first in line to take it off of him. Styles says the locker isn't jealous of Austin Theory. They just think that he's a jackass. So how do you think Austin Theory did here in this segment? The whole thing was just really confusing. Like, at the end of this, like, if you give me a multiple choice of who is Theory wrestling at SummerSlam, I don't think Lashley would even be on the list because he's, like, talking about AJ Styles. He's talking about Ziggler. He's talking about Roman. He's talking about Brock. Um, yeah, the whole what thing, it didn't really, like, I don't know. It felt like it threw him off a little bit. But after what how you explained it, yeah, maybe maybe it was expected. Maybe he did kind of, like, want to play off of it a little bit. But, um, yeah, he just, I guess his character now is everybody hates me, right? Everybody uh, is jealous of me in the locker room. That's what he's running with. He definitely feels like he's got um some increased confidence you know it feels like his projection has stepped up a level ever since like being put into this money in the bank spotlight but i would say he's very much suffering from like i think the same thing that was plaguing the miz for a time in that he just feels awfully generic and the miz actually maybe you know overcame that a little bit because he he came in like a way better promo and, and showed a lot of improvement um beyond people's expectations i I would say like Theory's trajectory, even though we're seeing a little bit of extra confidence here, his trajectory has, has been pretty flat um, from the moment that he walked into to this company. I still am yet to see what Vince likely sees in him. And I, I would say the audience probably feels very much the same way right now, too. Yeah, he's definitely missing something. Like when I first started watching him in Evolve, like he kind of had that same like vibe. But then at one point, they actually paired him up with um now Gigi Dolan when she was Priscilla Kelly and the kind of interaction they had with each other where he was like being a jerk to her and like it kind of made like a little bit more personality come out of him so maybe that's what he's missing maybe he's just missing having somebody with him to kind of like counter off of because yeah like he doesn't really have any like character he's just like an annoying guy that people don't like I guess but it's not really much of his character He's still like I would say very much a work in progress and and you can even argue that like the money in the bank level might be too much for him but it's especially the case when you compare him and contrast him with guys like Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar who have had, you know, years and years and, you know, are, are two the two biggest stars in the entire company that are very complete packages right now. So um, his star power is definitely, um, you know, and that's the point of this, right, is to, to try to get him up at least to a higher level by being uh, by associating him with with the two of them. But the gulf is I- just so big. Like, honestly, like, if he does come out at the end of SummerSlam and he teases a cash-in, this is going to be one of the rare times where the crowd, I don't think, is going to pop or care. <laughs> like, it's sad to say, but, like, I can't see them getting, oh, my God, it's Theory's music, A-Town Down. Like, I can't see them getting into it whatsoever like they usually do. They'll they'll react big because, you know, everybody wants to see a big title change or a cash-in in, in their hometown, of course. But Yeah, but it, it'll be very, very small reaction, I feel like. It's not going to be, like, what we usually get. So Theory asks AJ what he's accomplished, what he accomplished at Theory's age and makes fun of him hitting phenomenal forearms in Barnes in Georgia when he was in his 20s. AJ says that he's proud of where he came from. It's made him who he is today. And who he is today is somebody who decks Austin Theory ahead of their match because that's what he did here. Theory versus AJ Styles as Dolph Ziggler watches from ringside on the floor. Theory shoves Dolph down. And then Theory gets to the ropes to break a calf crusher later on in the match. He pulls himself to the outside where Theory eats a receipt from Dolph in the form of a super kick behind the ref's back. AJ Styles then ends up winning by count up because Theory can't make it back into the ring. So this is the second time that Dolph Ziggler has cost Austin Theory a match. And AJ Styles closes the segment by giving Theory a Styles class. 
uh, just in case you forget who uh, who has the money in the bank and can afford all of these losses, uh, John Cena. So yeah. um, there's still like dangling the mystery of like why Dolph Ziggler exactly is focused on Austin Theory. Um, Dolph has not spoken a word yet in the two weeks that he's been back, and they're they're kind of making it a bit of a secret. Uh, any thoughts? Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, he's gone with two weeks where he hasn't explained his actions. He's being really quiet about it. Knowing WWE logic, this probably means that Ziggler is going to help Theory win the title. Like, just, I don't know. I, for some <laughs> reason, it's like he's doing all this, but at the end of the day, he's going to be the one that's going to help him and maybe, like, be like a mentor or manager to theory. Um, it's just, yeah, very odd. And another match where, you know, we get a count out funny finish. What's that conversation like backstage and character. Okay. Like is Ziggler saying, Hey, I've got a great plan for you. All right. You want to he- reach the next level? Yeah. Let me super kick you in the head. It cost <laughs> you a number of matches in the weeks leading up to this. No one's going to think you're any sort of threat. And then, yeah, because his win-loss lo- win record doesn't count. He has his briefcase. He can cash in whenever he wants. Sure. Doesn't matter if he's 0-6 for the month. That's um, it. Yeah, just, I don't know. After some, like, I'm trying to think, like, Ziggler's been doing, like, he, he was in NXT, right? And then he kind of had that weird appearance with Bobby Roode where they, where did they get attacked by? That almost that one week? Omos, yeah, didn't they attack Omos? <laughs> and there was, no, there was no explanation for that. And then he disappeared yeah. again. And then he comes back without Bobby Roode for two weeks in a row, says nothing at all, and attacks Theory. I'm just... I, I'm as confused as, as probably creative is on what's going on with Ziggler. We all know we're just counting the days until he turns back into a heel at some point. So anyway, so that is the latest with Theory and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, we have a special video talking about Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch, which, I mean, you know, was very detailed for a, a video that must have been edited in the, uh, you know, um, hour since uh, this match was made official. I mean, what if Carmella won here? What would they have done? They had a backup video just in case showing the history. I mean, they could show the same video from SummerSlam, right? Carmella was involved, so they could have just like showed her and, and edited it a little bit. But I'm sure you uh, are right. I totally yeah. forget that Carmella was a part yeah, of that. And, whole and thing. that makes me think that she might have some sort of presence uh, this year in SummerSlam because that was like the thing last year, right? Everybody was so upset that Carmella came out instead of Sasha. So I feel like they might play around with that this year as well. Do some sort of like you know. Hmm. You know, okay. play with everybody's emotions. There was May. a video. I don't know if you we can get back to it, but there was a video for Edge as well. They showed like a newer video. Oh, it was a newer one. I missed it. Yeah. What, what was it in this one? It was like showing like some of the similar things with like the Rey Mysterio mask. So this is actually the first time they, they showed Mysterio, I feel like. So maybe that could lead to something for SummerSlam. It showed like his mask and then like, I guess he was writing in blood and it said like, I am coming to, and it didn't say what he was coming to. So is he coming to Raw? Is he coming to SmackDown? I don't know. But he was writing in blood, so he's definitely ready for TB14. Okay. I am coming to. Like, maybe he just means I'm coming to. Like, he's been passed out, and he's uh, waking up. That sort <laughs> it of could thing. be. Yeah. Or maybe he's saying, I'm, I'm coming to to help Jungle Boy to, <laughs> to fight Christian and Luchasaurus. Ooh, you never okay. know, right? Yeah, you don't, you don't know. So this special video tells the story of uh, Becky's main event win at WrestleMania. Uh, Bianca's main event win at WrestleMania the year after Becky dropping the title, coming back and beating Bel Air in 26 seconds, and it's all leading up to this. Uh, this this I thought was a really good video, as WWE videos tend to be. You know, um, it's something I really wish like AEW devoted more time to, just to give you a better sense of the story leading up to it, to pace the show uh, down a little bit. But I mean, they have their reasons, I'm sure. But I like it when Raw does stuff like this. It, it it felt made this match feel big, you know, feel bigger. This is the second culmination of their 26 second match. And 
at this point, John, you know, we are a year removed. We've seen the story play out at WrestleMania and we're going to see a continuation of it. Audiences at the time a year ago were very upset about Bianca Belair losing the way that she did. Seeing how the story has played out so far, do you think that history will remember that particular decision differently? Um, I guess it all depends what happens with this match, right? Like, I'm dreading it's going to be like a quick match and Bianca wins like in a couple seconds just to like, you know, revenge back to Becky. Um, but I think the match is going to be great. It's probably going to be the standout for the entire show. And I agree with the video. I think it was great. Like the fact that I had like, the narration just kind of talking about it, it kind of gave me feels like the old like NFL highlight videos where you would have like the narration over like the highlights. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for this match. It's probably like one of my only matches I'm really looking forward to that actually has like an actual proper build and it's not, not just, you know, people thrown together just to make a, a card fill. What if they build this whole thing? They promote it until the day of the event. And then for whatever reason, Becky Lynch cannot appear and out comes Carmella and she loses in very quick fashion. But then out comes Sasha Banks. It's funny you say that. I was actually thinking once you started talking about it, I'm like, that kind of makes sense. Cause that'd be the reverse of what happened last year. Um, I wouldn't hold it past them because I feel like <laughs> WWE would do whatever they can in their power to uh, keep uh, Sasha. So, yeah, I, now that you say that, I wouldn't <laughs> shock me whatsoever. It would be very poetic, but something tells me that's not going to happen. How uh, would they explain? Yeah, how would they explain Becky not being there? What Naomi took her out backstage? Uh, yeah, <laughs> probably not happening this year. But no. we we can fan- fantasy book. We get a little video from WWE's Back to School Bash with Titus O'Neil leading a backpack filling program with school supplies as part of the Bullard Family Foundation, which is his uh, family foundation. Six women tag here with Asuka, Alexa, Dana, take it on Nikki, ASH, Tamina, and Dewdrop. Dana hits this big plancha from the top, and uh, that sends everybody to the outside where Reggie distracts Dana, the current 24-7 champion, which allows Tazawa to sneak in from under the ring to capture the 24-7 title championship. And then Corey Graves mentions that uh, Dana didn't get the rule suspended for this match. So this is, of course, our 24-7 segment where Nikki A.S.H. pins Tazawa for the title. Then Alexa pins Nikki for the title. And then Dewdrop crossbodies Alexa for the 24-7 title. Tamina wins the 24-7 title. And then Dana, of course, ends it all. So um, good luck to the Wikipedia editors who are uh, updating that as we speak, I'm sure. Uh, Meanwhile, the six-woman tag is still going on in the background. And it simply ends here with Asuka applying the Asuka lock onto Nikki A.S.H. And she taps. And, you know, I, I mean, it is definitely kind of sad to see, like, top-level talent like an Alexa and Asuka involved in such a nothing segment in ring-wise without any real kind of, like, further story for either of them coming out of this. They really are just, you know, almost background characters to this comedy segment. But, you know, for the most part, like, this was, like, 10.40 p.m. in the show. It, it it perhaps was a segment that you know was designed to wake the crowd up with a number of fast title changes. Well, what do you think, Cena? I I think this was terrible, honestly. The fact that you have like Alexa winning the title, which I think she probably hasn't till till this time. The good news is at least Asuka didn't win it. You know, she was totally like out of this. Like everybody else in the match got a title run, um, but Asuka didn't. But yeah, Alexa, like she is so lost since coming back. Like I, I was half expecting Lily to win the title at one point, just put the doll on top of somebody. Um, but yeah, this was just very bad. They have no idea what to do with Alexa. Like everybody here is lost. Nobody here is fighting at SummerSlam. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I have nothing what, good to say about this. What, what was the latest thing we had with Alexa? Weren't they building something up with her? <sighs> Like, 
she she had mentioned what the therapy was working or whatever, but like that was pretty much it. Like she did a credit card commercial. Um, <laughs> maybe that's what I'm thinking of. That was, that yeah. was the last significant thing that they had her do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe they could at least like, you know, have her go down to NXT and feud with Tiffany Stratton and find out it was Tiffany's credit card the entire time that she was using. Or <laughs> so something. This is what, I don't know. <laughs> I just I just looked up my notes. This is what happened with Alexa. They, you know, you had Graves talking about Alexa losing something after her therapy sessions and some she's lost some some aggression. Yet she ended up pinning Nikki Ash at the end of the match. So she maybe has found her aggression and there's so many like with these characters there's so many like storylines that they started and stopped like you had the whole nikki ash and dewdrop thing a couple weeks back where like dewdrop was like i'm gonna change you or something about nikki and that went nowhere yeah, to get serious um and then like the whole dana brooke and reggie like they were what, filing for a divorce or did they ever get the divorce i don't even know what happened with that with our truth they got divorced i believe they did get divorced okay yeah. um and then oscar's just doing nothing so i I'm, I'm this is they have no direction for any of these six women unfortunately it's yeah, really sad. It, this might as well have been like sort of like a non-canon, you know, short just to, again, wake the crowd up, perhaps no real kind of lasting impression whatsoever. The Mysterios are interviewed and Dominic says that the Judgment Day don't know a thing about the Mysterios. Ray says that they're not the first ones to try to stop the Mysterios and that next week they're going to show what it's like or what it means to be a Mysterio in Madison Square Garden. And that is next week. Ray's 20th celebration, the Mysterios versus Judgment Day. Roman Reigns will also be making an appearance at MSG. Our final segment of the night is The Miz in Miz TV. There's some footage that they show of The Miz playing at an, an all-star celebrity softball game where he not only hit a home run, but was voted the team MVP. So uh, for this team MVP thing, they actually had a WWE replica title specifically made for this. And they left it up to an audience vote, and it was actually the WWE star in The Miz who won the WWE replica title. So they devoted a whole video package to this. This type of press is their wet dream. Never mind Sasha Banks on The Mandalorian, okay? Miz as best player in a celebrity softball game. That's going to be the big thing that I think will really boost this. I feel like the Miz has always been like very good, like in sports. I feel like since he debuted, there's always been packages of him like doing good in baseball and basketball. And always, at least whenever there's like a celebrity game going on, I feel like the Miz is always involved with it. And he's always winning something, so I guess it's good to have him around when they have to send people to these uh, celebrity games. So it's Miz TV, and the special guest here tonight is Logan Paul. Logan comes out and wants to know simply if the Miz accepts his challenge. Miz instead says, "Hold on a second there," and plays a recap of their mania match but he cuts off the part where he turns on logan at the end of the match and logan of course plays it back miz says well in that moment he was just trying to teach him logan says that the only thing miz taught him was that he had to come back and sign a contract to beat his ass at SummerSlam. miz gets some plugs in for his reality show and then proceeds to put logan paul over talks about the mayweather match says that paul has so much potential in this business but Paul has to earn the right to face him, so his challenge is denied. Paul says that it sounds like you don't think I'm ready to face you, and says that he was also told that he was not ready to build, told that he was not ready to build a social media empire, and he ended up revolutionizing the industry. He was told that he wasn't ready to fit, face Floyd Mayweather, and he was also told that he wasn't ready to wrestle at WrestleMania, and he exceeded expectations with all of those things. So when people tell him he's not ready, he proves them wrong. Now his sole motivation is to beat the Miz at SummerSlam. 
He's going to be at Raw at Madison Square Garden, and he's going to host his own version of Miz TV to prove that he can do that better than the Miz. He's going to call it Impulsive TV. Miz says he's still not going to accept the match, and Logan says, well, that's exactly what I expect from somebody with blueberry-sized balls. And this crowd starts to chant tiny balls. Miz shows off his new massive balls t-shirt, and then he gets angry and accepts the match. He attacks Logan Ducks, Sends the Miz over the top rope with the clothesline, but out comes Tommaso Ciampa, who attacks Logan Paul. Imagine uh, that sentence um, a year ago. Tommaso Ciampa attacks Logan Paul, and Paul fights him off and gets away. <laughs> the Miz is really angry. He says there's only one Miz, and he's awesome. So Paul versus Miz has now been made official for SummerSlam with Tommaso Ciampa hanging out somewhere along the way. Uh, your thoughts on the closing segment to tonight's show. This this whole thing was so bad. Um, <laughs> first of all, The Miz came out with this, like, I don't know what he was wearing, but he reminded me of, um, what's the name, Cornflake from Fresh Prince, Kellogg, that they kept calling Cornflake. He had the same, like, you know, school uniform. Like, this is just weird. And then, like, Logan, I had no idea his podcast was called Impulsive. I had to actually look it up. I'm like, did he say in impulsive and that's actually the the name of his podcast um yeah this whole thing was bad that the fact that like logan paul outsmarted you know two former champions here um but the fact that champa is still involved makes me think that logan paul is going to have some sort of backup in his corner i don't think it's gonna be a tag match but i feel like they're both gonna have people in their corner so who is he gonna have to on the opposite side of champa is it gonna be johnny gargano is gonna come back to be in logan paul's corner (laughs) Interesting. Uh, my guess would be AJ Styles. You know, yeah, he seems so. to be the name attached to all of this and might be just a, I don't know, a bit of a counter. Or maybe he's going to go it alone and they'll just, you know, do the uh, double heels uh, attacking the baby face. Or his own his own brother if, if Jake isn't, uh, you know, busy, I guess. So, I mean, I will tell you what, like it, 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 heading into this program with the idea that they're going to have Logan Paul be the baby face against the Miz was definitely, I think going against what the natural reactions you would have to the Paul brothers is that said, I feel tonight Logan Paul, I think did a good job. I think they had, you know, pretty good dialogue scripted for him and he recited it with all the confidence that I think you would expect. He's, he is to me, truly exceeding expectations. He, you know, gave some good delivery and talked about the whole line, but like how, you know, people underestimate him and he, um, goes toe to toe with Mayweather or like, you know, um, performs better than anybody can expect at WrestleMania. There's truth in it. And for that reason, there is an, a level of respect that I think you can give him. There's uh, plenty of other stuff that I feel like he's attached to that, you know, might, to counter that as well but tonight i thought the promo was well made and well delivered from him but new york is a different beast okay yeah. <laughs> and uh next week will be really interesting with him hosting that segment i was saying i hope he's like backstage now talking to some of his like friends in hollywood or something to get some sort of material for next week because it's going to be pretty pretty tough unless he comes out with like dwayne johnson by his side i can't see him getting any sort of like positive reaction in new york City. Yeah, even then, I just don't know. Um, I mean, we saw Roman Reigns with the Rock after that roll, right? Still the yeah, food. That's so, true. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be tough. Like I said, like the fact that like I have no interest in going to the show, and it's gonna take it would take me like twenty minutes to get there after work, and I still like do I really want to waste time? I just be home right now. Just 
sleeping. <laughs> like, this is like so many other things I'd rather do. But um, unless they, I don't know what they promoted Roman Reigns, they promoted Logan Paul having his like his own segment, um, yeah. and a couple other things, right? A couple other the Mysterio the thing. Yeah, yeah, the Mysterio thing. I mean, the fact that maybe Edge might return might be a pretty cool thing. But there really isn't anything that's got me saying, okay, I'm gonna go or I'm thinking about going. Um, yeah. So this Logan Paul thing, I mean, clearly is their big celebrity uh, match that they're trying to set up here for uh, SummerSlam. And I interesting idea to like put this towards the end rather than like at the 10 o'clock or, or like you sort of 9.45, 10, 10 mark, which tends to be like us uh, you know, um, before the dip of, of the last hour. I'm kind of curious to see like what the ratings pattern is for, for this one. Or are they maybe, you know, understanding of the fact that does Paul cater more towards a younger audience that's not necessarily watching their TV anyway? Are they just kind of banking all of this on for like you know online YouTube views, for instance? Not really sure, but um, yeah, I, I don't you know, I don't follow the Paul brothers online, but I'm wondering how much promotion he's putting through his like social media and what the reaction is there. Like all all his fans going to tune in and watch his segments? Are they going to you know go to SummerSlam? Are they going to go to MSG? Like I wonder how big his following is and if they're actually like having any sort of difference to the to the WWE side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, your thoughts overall on this on this edition of Raw? It was a prominent thing. What's going to happen? Um, other than that, I really this it wasn't a good show. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I can't say it was a good show. I'm not looking for you to lie about uh, <laughs> you loving Raw here, but the the highlight of the show was whatever Titus O'Neil was doing off the top, just because of how weird it was and yeah. what it says about the way Vince McMahon might react to potential controversy or just whatever is going through his mind out there beyond that it felt like you know a relatively standard edition of raw with matches that aren't necessarily that interesting to speak of um elias versus rollins i suppose you know it, it, it it's supposed i guess it's de- over delivering on low expectations um beyond that like doc profits versus mvp and almost like these are like all right matches but like hardly anything that I would say you have to go out of your way to see. Uh, we got some more built towards uh, MSG, of course, and then whatever that they're building for SummerSlam, which, um, you know, a video package for Bianca Belair versus um, Becky, I thought was very well done and I think made the match feel bigger. Um, and Logan Paul. So, yeah, I'm definitely expecting next week to be a noteworthy show. The fact that it's an MSG it's the Mysterio 20th anniversary. I feel like something definitely whatever big hook theory they have there. I think they're saving it for next week. We have one piece of feedback here from forum.postwrestling.com, and it comes to us from Denise from Georgia, who says, you know the allegations are getting to Vince when they send out Titus to hype up their product. I know they have another woman to have... I, I know they have another woman to have a meaningless match with Bianca. I know they have another man to have a meaningless match with Seth. Sensing a pattern. It's hard to take Paul as a babyface because he has sleaze written all over him, a la Art Bar. More important than anything on this man show is Jeff Jarrett, the smartest man in wrestling. Take care, good people. Okay. All right. Yeah, who would have thought we'd be talking about Jeff Jarrett so much as a, you know, full focal part of um, Ric Flair's last match as well as SummerSlam here. Hey, weekend. and there's a GCW show that weekend too, and he still has unfinished business with Effie, so maybe he'll show up on wow. that show also. Jeff Jarrett could be everywhere this weekend. You, that is very true. All right. So so that is this edition of Rewind to Raw. John Cena, thank you so much again for being a part of this. Um, what have you got going on this week? Um, shot in the dark. Just I've been watching some of the shows. I haven't watched everything just yet, but from what I've seen, we have the continuation of the New Japan Strong um tag team tournament. They got a new titles there in New Japan, so that's pretty interesting. Um AW Dark, nothing really 
too crazy stood out this week. They don't have, unfortunately, there's no Tokyo, Tokyo Joshi Pro matches or or Rev Pro matches this week. But it's just gonna be an interesting show. Um, if anybody is part of the Up Next Patreon, I just did a show with them reviewing um, Old Boy, which is an old 2003 South Korean movie, one of my favorite movies of all time. And I think we had a blast talking about it. If you don't know about the movie, don't look it up. Don't look any spoilers. Just watch the movie and then listen to the review. And I think you'll be uh, highly entertained. And make sure you watch the Korean one and not the remake. Yes. Oh, geez. Right. I can't. I can't even. It's. It's. It hurts my soul to talk about the remake and how bad that was. If you're looking for a bit more movie talk, of course, uh, I just spoke about Thor: Love and Thunder with W. H. Park and Mike Murray. That video is actually up there right now for all post wrestling cafe patrons. But if you prefer it in podcast form, you will get it sometime tomorrow afternoon in the post wrestling cafe feed. Uh, as well, I will be back on. Thursday, uh, Wednesday with G1 coverage on the Post Wrestling Cafe, followed by Rewind of Dynamite, uh, and then also G1, uh, uh, sorry, uh, the Wellness Policy on Thursday, and a whole lot of other stuff. PostWrestlingCafe.com is where you can go to support the channel. And until tomorrow, see you guys later. Bye-bye.